0: Holy Ghostbusters. We're back. So Dan Aykroyd, he starts smoking a cigarette, and then he sees Slimer, and the cigarette just starts hanging. I don't know if that was intentional or what, but his cigarette is just hanging from his bottom lip. He's like,
1: man That is a great visual. It is a great visual. I love, that. I love that visual. There's a, there's an artist named Jim Ferguson who specializes in doing artwork from movies, and especially. Uh, like really famous shots. And that is one of the, the scenes that he's painted. Oh, excellent. Is yeah. Is, is uh, Dan Aykroyd with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And it's great. Uh, look him up. Jim Ferguson. I will
0: definitely do that. He can't get Vinkman. So he shoots Slimer and Slimer takes off down the hallway. He goes through a wall and when he goes through the wall, he actually leaves slime residue on the wall, which is just, like I said, very subtle, but it's also very cool.
1: I love the Slimer puppet. Like, I, I feel like the puppetry in this movie is on par with what you see from the Muppet.
0: I would say so. To me, one of the scariest parts was the taxi driver. Yes!
1: The Crypt Keeper taxi <laughs> cryptkeeper. driver. Yeah,
0: and we we'll, and we'll get to that when we get to it, but yes. we. So we see Bill Murray. Oh, and there, okay, so, uh, not, not Bill Murray, we cut to Harold Ramis. And he's got his what? He's got one of his ghost busting machines, and he walks up to this guy, and he just pokes him, just to make sure he's real. And it's just, it's just subtle and hilarious. <laughs> it's just subtly hilarious. It's just, and the guy's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> uh, but then we cut to Bill Murray, and he sees Slimer. We're gonna call him Slimer from now on. But he sees Slimer at the end of the hallway, and he gets on the radio, and he's like, "Ray," and this is the first time. Since uh, the library, where we actually see Vinkman scared, he's like, "It's here, Ray. It's staring at me." He's like, "And
1: it's the first. It's one of the first times he doesn't have to be. A, he can't really be a cynic, right?"
0: And Ray goes, "He's an ugly little bugger." And, and, <laughs> and Vinkman goes, "I think he can hear you, Ray." And he says, "And he just goes right towards Vinkman." Bill Murray is screaming, and it's just these quick cuts of Bill Murray screaming. And Slimer heading towards him, and then Ray running towards him. So it's just these these quick cuts. Uh, Ray comes around the corner, and he says, "Sees Vinkman," and one of the most famous lines: "He slimed me." Bill Murray is just Mm -hmm. covered in slime. From what I've heard, this Bill Murray was not happy about that.
1: I mean, but it's comedy, and it's sometimes you got to do weird shit for comedy. Come on, man, sacrifice your dignity.
0: I don't think it was dignity. It was about, I, I just don't think he liked, you know, the, just the f- physically being covered in slime.
1: Well, sometimes you have to suffer for your art, Bill Murray. You can't make other people suffer.
0: Egon calls him on the radio, and he's like, oh, great, you know, Vinkman's covered in slime, and he's always thinking. Egon's like, great, save me a sample. Slimer's down here in the, in the ballroom. Even though he's, co- he's contacting them to let them know that they have the ghost trapped in a ballroom, he's like, yeah, get me a sample. It's just little stuff like that. It, little, like, that's exactly what his character would have done and said.
1: I wonder how much of that was Ramus and how much of that was uh, Ackroyd, too. Just thinking of, of I, I feel like the big ideas and the broader things are are the Ackroyd and then the really tight details are Ramus. But I could be no, wrong. I, I
0: would I would probably go with what you, what you just said.
1: Yeah, I, I play that game a lot with Monty Python.
0: Oh, yeah. Who, who, wrote, who what. wrote what? Yes. Monty Python. If it ever has a list, it's it was Cleese and Chapin. You know, like the Dead Parrot and and the Cheese Shop. That was always that was always them. They always liked lists.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And then anything. I think it was John Cleese that said anything that starts with a panorama of a beautiful, uh, like field or or something was usually Palin and Jones. Right. And any musical stuff it, and, was yeah, idle.
0: musical stuff was idle.
1: But I still like to play that game.
0: What? Oh, so then they head down. And they're in the ballroom, and they're being professional. It's like, please keep your people out. We know what we're doing. And they close the ballroom doors, and they peek in, and they see Slimer, like, heading around the chandelier. So they all go in. So here's the part. Well, they they shoot Slimer, and then the the chandelier comes down and crushes a table. I don't know why. Me and my friend—this is the line that we we quote the most, me and my friends— It's like he shoots the chandelier. It comes crashing down on the table. You have friends? Yes, a friend. And he goes, oh, that was me. You have
1: friend singular?
0: Yes, one friend. It's like, that was me. I did that. That was my fault. And I just, for some reason, that's the line we quote the most out of this movie. You know, they move furniture around. They set the trap. Oh, and this is where we learn not to cross the streams. Don't cross the streams. Egon tells us why and... It's it, once again it's technical babble, but we just know that it's bad. Once again, Bill Murray's like, "Okay, Egon, nice safety tip, thanks."
1: Well, yeah, because you've gotta you've gotta have it as the uh, the, the um, Chekhov's gun, because if you don't mention it later on, everyone's gonna be like, "What the hell? Where did this come from?" Or Chekhov streams, as you will. Ah,
0: Chekhov streams. Hey-o.
1: Hey, Pew 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 pew.
0: They clear a path for the trap. They they get Slimer in their streams. I don't know why I find, this is one of the funniest lines to me. Ray puts the trap down. He's like, whatever you do, don't look into the trap. And he opens it and he kind of goes, I looked in the trap, Ray. I don't know why. That is, because it's it funny. It is funny.
1: It's also funny that nothing, nothing happened. happened. Like, that's, yes. that's the comedy of it because you kind of expect it to, and sometimes subverted expectations are funny. You are probably expecting a stream of slime okay. to squirt uh, up into his eyeball or something. And it didn't happen. And that's funny. Nothing happened. Yeah, subverted expectations is hilarious.
0: They pull Slimer into the trap, and it works. And once again, it's like, well, that wasn't too tough. And, And Egon just looks around at the room they've just destroyed. And then they walk out, and they're carrying the trap, and it's smoking. And this is where we get Peter. And this is where they need Peter. Because Peter is he's gonna get him paid.
1: Right, because the rest are just gonna forget.
0: Yeah, the rest won't the rest wouldn't push it. I almost feel like Ray would forget. Ray would just be like, well, that was fun. Right, Ray would forget, and, and Egon would probably let yeah. himself get lowballed, but not yeah. Bill Murray. This is the first time I noticed it watching this time. He uh Bill Murray goes, now for entrapment, it's gonna cost you and you see Egon put up four fingers very subtly. And Bill Murray goes, four grand. And I never noticed that before. Egon, it's Egon quoting the price, and Vinkman telling him what it is. It ends up being yeah,
1: because Egon's not going to push it because he's not. That's not his
0: personality. That's not his style.
1: Yeah, he's going to feel too too aggressive, even if that's even if asking for his, you know, money is a good thing.
0: Ends up being five thousand dollars. The guy who called him is gonna to refuse to pay. He's like, no worries, we'll just put the ghost back. He's like he's like, no, 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 okay, we'll pay it. Just take it out of here. And and so they leave, and now we get the montage, the Ghostbusters montage, of them becoming more and more famous. You see them mo- they're running around the city. Uh, there, you know, there's like local New York celebrities uh, talking about them. They're on the cover of Time magazine. So this is the establishing montage of them getting more and more famous. Sigourney Weaver sees them on television, and she's smiling. We cut back to the Ghostbusters headquarters, and I, this had to be a totally improvised scene between him and between Dan and Bill because they're walking in. Oh no! Uh, this is Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Finally, finally. we get
1: to talk about Ernie. Yes, Hudson. Er- finally, 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 finally. Ernie
0: Hudson shows up with a paper, and they put an ad in the paper. They're looking for help. Janine is interviewing him. Do you believe in ghosts, specters? You know, in her voice. Do you believe in ghosts, specters, ghouls? It's like, if it's a steady paycheck, I'll believe in anything. So what do you want to say about Ernie Hudson? Who
1: is... I... He... Okay, A, he is the (coughs) audience surrogate point of view character. B, I don't think he gets nearly as much credit for Ghostbusters as the other three. And he damn well should because he the The magic really happens once he shows up because he a gives you the audience point of view character b he is the he's the straight man he's the only straight man. Venkman is not the straight man. he's a little more cynical, but he's still like an amoral scientist character ernie hudson is is exactly what this movie needs and needed, and I do not think he gets sufficient credit for it because um I don't think just in general. People who excel at straight man roles get the, the love they deserve. And I'm sure there's some racism in there, too. But, like, just, he, he's phenomenal. And his, the the movie lives and dies on him being there for this. And, and I just think he, I wish he had shown up sooner. Okay. Because he is, the, the, he, he is exactly what the alchemy needed to continue.
0: There is a, There is him. a reason he didn't show up sooner.
1: why is that the
0: rumor is that role was supposed to be for Eddie Murphy Eddie Murphy was supposed to have that role
1: you know I I love Eddie Murphy but in hindsight I do think that Ernie Hudson was the better fit
0: I I 100% agree but it was supposed to be for Eddie Murphy so the part of Winston was bigger so when Ernie got the script he the, the role of Winston was bigger. Originally, it was bigger because the role was supposed to be for Eddie Murphy. So they wanted to give Eddie Murphy more screen time, screen time. Gotcha. Eddie Murphy had to drop out of this to star in Beverly Hills Cop. Once he dropped out, the role of Winston got cut down. Ernie Hudson was happy That's to have the movie. Bad. However, he was not happy that the role of Winston got cut down.
1: And I agree with him on that. I, I would have loved to see... I, and I think that Ernie Hudson has the chops to have played the bigger role. Also, I just think it's really sad that he auditioned to play Winston for the cartoon, and they told him that he didn't sound enough like Ernie <laughs> Hudson. Like, no offense to Arsenio Hall. I love Arsenio Hall, but, like, come on, guys.
0: When you get the original actor, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. He was willing to do it. Let him do it. Voice work is fun. She said, "Biasedly."
0: Dan and Bill walk in, and they hire Ernie on the spot. They're like, "Come on, and I'll show you." So Dan takes Ernie down to the uh, the bowels of the Ghostbusters where they where they hold the ghosts. And now we also get Walter Peck, uh, William Atherson. He shows up from the EKA. a
1: character that I really, really love. I love Walter Peck.
0: He Walter. Well, the the actor, and I think I'm saying his name right, William Atherson. He just yeah. plays a dick in every movie that he plays and he's just a wonderful dick
1: he's good at it but from i i can imagine that maybe he's sad because i'm sure people in real life would probably come up to him and say something okay or assume he's a dick so
0: did you just say that off the top of your head yeah so i listened to the commentary ivan right ivan uh-huh. reitman said that that's exactly what happened to him he goes after oh, after guy. this movie came out He goes, he couldn't go anywhere in New York without somebody wanting to pick a fight with him. He was generally pissed. He goes, I can't go to a bar. Every time I I go to a bar, somebody wants to punch me in the face right after this movie came out. But to me, that would be credit to him. He did such a great job of playing an asshole that people wanted to beat him up in real life. Yeah,
1: but at the same time, you want to leave the house and do things sometimes. I I agree. I I agree. I get it. Come on, people. Like, it's just a movie. Fiction and reality are not the same. And I say this as somebody who is like, you know, a writer who has to constantly, you know, tell the difference between the two a lot. If I can do it, you can. yeah right But he was so great. He was great. so
0: great. And so Bill, you know, uh, you know, Vinkman and Walter Peck go back and forth. Walter Peck thinks that there's, they might be hurting the environment. Bill Murray is like, well, you need to, if you... If you want to look at this, you need a warrant. If you don't, I'm going to sue your ass. They go back and forth. Walter Peck eventually leaves.
1: I mean, and he's not wrong to be worried about the environment. They are unlicensed nuclear accelerators. Like, that's a reason to be
0: concerned. He is not wrong. However, he's He's, a a corporate weasel. If he would have approached this in a different way, probably would have worked itself out.
1: But at the same time, he doesn't owe them well, no, he either. doesn't. He doesn't know him anything. He's many, doing but... his job. Exactly. He's doing his job. So, you know, like, I get it. I, I might not if I worked for the EPA, I might not necessarily be the nicest You're. You have a really huge responsibility at the you know, you're trying to make sure that shit doesn't go extinct. <laughs> Like, I get it. It's a stressful job. I might be an asshole, so I I have some sympathy for the devil here.
0: We cut downstairs, and Ray is explaining how they clean the traps, and this is where we get the Twinkie line. I'm worried, Ray. It's getting crowded in there, and all my recent data points to something big on the horizon. What
1: do you mean, the big?
0: Well, let's say this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychokinetic energy in the New York area. According to this morning's sample, it would be a Twinkie 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. <coughs> That's a big Twinkie. We could be on the verge of a four-fold cross-rip, a PKE surge of incredible, even dangerous proportions. We just had a visit from the Environmental Protection Agency. How's the grid holding up? It's not good. Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? They're talking about the amount of Kinetic ghost activity. And he goes, the normal amount is this size of this Twinkie, but the one out there is like, you know, a Twinkie five times, you know, weighing 500 pounds. Dan and Winston are down yeah. there smoking. Winston just goes, that's a big Twinkie. And he just blows smoke out through his nostrils. It looks really cool.
1: It, yeah, and the line delivery. The line delivery. Of the a line deliver- so it,
0: delivering because- a line as silly as that's a big Twinkie and making it sound ominous and cool, he pulled it off.
1: That's because... Ernie Hudson is really good and you need to respect him because he's so good. Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson deserves, deserves to be like on the Mount Rushmore.
0: My friend Kristen, who I did a psych podcast with where Ernie Hudson was a guest on it. She Mm -hmm. suggested, wouldn't it be great if we could CGI Ernie Hudson's head on Bill Cosby's head? That way we could still watch the Cosby show.
1: I love that idea. Just take Cosby out
0: and put Ernie in the Hudson show. And we could still watch the Bill Cosby show with Ernie Hudson as Cliff Huxtable.
1: I approve of this. Anything. And and you know what? Give Ernie Hudson all the money for it. I am into it. Because
0: we talked about how shitty it is that these actors are not getting residuals anymore because nobody's rerunning the Cosby show anymore.
1: Yeah. And this way, Ernie Hudson. And Ernie Hudson gets the
0: money. Yep. And everybody gets residuals, and we're back to Ghostbusters. Like, Bill Murray is like, how's everything holding up? We just got EPA. And once again, Ernie Hudson goes, tell him about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? And now we cut to the symphony. Uh, Dana Barrett, Sigourney Weavers walking out with a fellow musician, and they're talking, and they see Bill Murray. She sees him walking around this fountain, and she walks over to him. And then they have, they have a cute meet, I guess you would call it this. He's trying to impress her with what he knows about her case. And she's like, well, what else do you have for me? And he asks her out. She's resistant at first, but he he wears her down. He's like, you think there's something wrong up here, but it's not. And he, and he says that he respects her. And I think it's sincere. And I think she realizes that's like one of the first sincere things he said. And I think that impresses her.
1: But then we know by the second movie that it doesn't last long.
0: Right. And speaking of the second movie, the musician that she walked out with during the commentary... Harold Ramis goes, in my mind, that's the guy that she left Vinkman for in Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, I can
1: can um, see that. And then he leaves her her. with Oscar.
0: So that was like, and and Ivan agreed with him. He goes, yes, I can see that guy being Sigourney Weaver's husband, the one that left her in Ghostbusters 2.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: Um, She agrees to a date and and Vinkman's happy. You see him, he's like, hey, hey, I got a date with Sigourney Weaver. All right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I would be pretty jazzed about that.
0: And then do we, is it date night? Or is there anything between that scene and date night? No, I don't think so. So Gordie Weaver's coming back to her apartment. It's the party night. Lewis opens the door. She's like, are you coming to the party? She's like, no, I got a date. He, you know, and uh, and it's just, this seeing Rick Moran is so crestfallen. You got a date? Yeah. All right, bring him along. And she's like, okay, maybe I'll stop.
1: Because, because I will point out, Lewis Tully is a genuine nice guy. Not nice guy in all caps. When he finds out that she has a date, he says, you know what? It's okay. Bring him along. He doesn't, he's sad, but he's not a jackass about nope. it. And so I think Lewis Tully is a, is a good man. I'm going to put that out there. He, he accepts that and accepts, you know, and still accepts the, the date into his home. And I think that, that says a lot about him as a person. You're a good man, Lewis Tully.
0: You poor son of a bitch. So she goes in and she gets a phone call from her mother. She's like, I got a date. And this is where it's like she gets off the phone with her mother and she sits in this chair. And it's, once again, simple effect. It's just glowing light behind her kitchen door. And it's really eerie. And it's really simple to pull off. And then she just goes, oh, shit. And these arms pop. And I remember in the movie theater, people jumped. These arms, like, pop out of her chair. And grab her.
1: Well, yeah, it's a creepy scene. And
0: if you look, one of them grabs her boob. That's yes. creepy. And uh, the chair turns around, and it just goes like sliding into the kitchen. And you can see the. T- and Sigourney Weaver is just a fantastic, fantastic actress. You can just see the terror in her because there's like a hand covering her face. So like the only thing you can see through her, through the hand's fingers is her eye. It's just bulging yeah. in fear. What.
1: Well- yeah, like I've said, she's just, she's one of the, she's an excellent, excellent, excellent physical actress. And I think that suits comedy well.
0: And she goes into the kitchen, the door closes, it, it cuts really quick. You know, a very effective scene in a in a comedy, in mm-hmm. a, a very a horror comedy sci-fi movie.
1: Well, it, it has to be, it has to be horrific. It is a horror comedy after all, in the end. It still has to have, I mean, it, it is tempered by, comedy, but the comedy has to temper something. The, you know? the
0: way Ivan and Harold explained it in the commentary is if you build it in steps, people will accept it. The original concept of the movie was that the Ghostbusters were already established and catching ghosts were already was becoming mundane to them. The scene where they walk in and they hire Winston, Dan wanted that to be the first scene of the movie. And Harold and Ivan said, no, we have to take the audience on the journey with us. We have to build it. And if we build it with them, the audience will accept what happens. And I think that was a very smart thing yeah, to do. Yeah,
1: I, I agree wholeheartedly, actually. Very much so. I, I think that a concept like that would... It, it, it is a concept that starting with them being jaded is is an idea that's ahead of its time. I could see that working now where they've become jaded because that just seems to be a very deconstructionist perspective but not not back then if that makes sense.
0: One thing we forgot in the montage is the ghost blowjob scene. Do you remember that?
1: Oh, I didn't I didn't forget. I deliberately didn't want to bring that up. <laughs> but for one thing, when I watched it as a kid, I had no idea what was going on. I I didn't realize what was going on until I was much older. Um
0: if you ever see lists They'll have lists of like a movie is great except for one scene. That usually ends up on that list. The blowjob scene in Ghostbusters.
1: Yeah, I, I Because
0: it wasn't I, I it don't was really a total tole- talk about it. You
1: <laughs> Like I said, it, this was this was an age inappropriate movie, but at the same time I suppose my dad's logic was well, she's not gonna get it, and he was right.
0: It wasn't originally a dream sequence. What what happened was there was a sequence where they it was part of a a whole sequence, and they cut the entire sequence except for that part, and they moved it into a dream sequence. So for some reason, they wanted to keep that part in the movie.
1: It doesn't. It fit doesn't the fit usual, the usual tone of them. Yeah, I know that someone is gonna is gonna listen to this and probably be like, "Whoa, look at her! She wants to cancel the whole thing. She's offended." I'm not. I'm not offended. Like it doesn't no, bother no. me. Oh, ghost blow if, job. Oh no! But like. That if it made it, sense, it, it would yeah,
0: it doesn't make sense in this movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if it made sense, it doesn't make any sense. And so because it's just jarring to see because it doesn't fit the rest of the, the rest of the movie. If it did, then I would just be like, oh, okay, that fits the rest of the movie. Maybe if it was Venkman having that dream, it would make a little more sense. But like I I just every time I watch it, I'm like, why is this here? It just seems very edgelord. If they were already establishing like ghost sex or things, it would make sense, but it doesn't yes,
0: there's no other sexual references in the movie besides that one or ghost ghost right. sexual aside
1: from just a yeah go I was gonna say there's there's some you know back and forth with with venkman and and Dana, but like beyond that it's and then the the what a lovely singing voice you must have yes. that that scene, but that's not about there's sex jokes in it that ain't happening it's not a prelude to anything because she's possessed
0: well, i don't know where it falls but i'll talk about it. there's that nice scene between ray and winston where they're in the ecto-1 and they're talking about god and that does fit that does fit because winston's like Do you believe in god and ray's you know makes god scientific and he's like i love but winston's like i love god's style and winston puts together you know they talk about the book of revelations About how the dead will rise. Winston's like, do you think this could be revelations with all the ghost activity? At this point, there hasn't been a huge religious angle to the movie. But we get this here, and we're going to get it one more time later. But this is just, like I said, Ernie just being... a. That's just a nice contained scene between Ernie and Dan. Just talking about their beliefs and what they think is happening at that moment.
1: Yeah. And they're so great. They're so great.
0: We cut back to Lewis's party. And speaking of giving somebody due, so there's this one long, continuous scene of Rick Moranis going through all his guests in the party. It's one continuous take. And Ivan, in the commentary, said all of the dialogue was improvised by Rick Moranis.
1: Of course it was. So
0: Rick Moranis...
1: Why would you give? Why would you give Rick Moranis a script when you can have Rick Moranis improvise? So he
0: he does this fantastic job of just going through all the guests in the party. He must like tall women because this tall blonde stands up. That's Casey Kasem's wife in real life, by the way.
1: Oh yeah! Oh yeah!
0: And she's like, "I'm gonna."
1: Louis, I'm going He's home. Like, well, maybe yeah. maybe
0: if we start <laughs> dancing. So they start dancing, and the door. So there's somebody at the door, and he lets them in, and he takes their coats. And then he throws the coats into their bedroom. And once again, we get this great puppet.
1: Oh, I love the, the dog the puppet. The dog puppet.
0: And we hear growling. And he's like, okay, who brought the dog? And then this Zool or Gozer bursts through the door. Everybody starts screaming. And Rick Moranis runs for his life. And it chases them out of the building. Here's where you feel sorry for Rick Moranis. Because he's like yelling for help. And nobody will help him. It's just like, help this little guy,
1: yeah he is he's in comedy parlance, he is excellent at playing low status characters.
0: Uh-huh. There's a movie called Streets of Rage where he plays a high status, he plays a high status asshole, and it just doesn't work. You just don't buy him as it.
1: It's still a stone classic, and uh and also i I really liked how uh he was used in Spaceballs as a high status low status yeah. character the dim- like He's a high-status character, but he's, they, they, they use him for maximum darkiness, right. and it totally works.
0: Uh, he eventually gets cornered by the dog, and, we, and the dog possesses him. So at this point, we don't know it, but Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis are now the gatekeeper and the key master. They're both possessed. And this is something. So we see Bill Murray show up at Dana's apartment, or apartment building. Do you think they'd be letting people in and out after what happened? Wouldn't that be a crime scene or something? I don't know.
1: But but do you think he cares?
0: No, but where are the police? Like like shouldn't that be taped off? I don't know. It was just like, oh. Okay.
1: It's NYPD. Do you really think they're going to they're going to show up on time?
0: So he goes up to Dana's apartment. He opens a door. Sigourney Weaver is just she's in this flowing red dress and she's got the silver makeup on and her hair's all I mean, She's like, are you the gatekeeper? Are you the key master? And he's like...
1: I love that scene And he goes,
0: no. And she just slams the door in his face. (laughs)
1: slams the door in his face. I love that so much. And then he has to do it again. And he says And he's like, yeah,
0: well, he told me to meet him here. I'm a friend of his. And he walks in and, you know, everything's covered in ectoplasm. Like, what are we doing tonight, Zool? Sigourney Weaver tries to seduce Bill Murray... Well, I think she's Zool at this point. she's uh, we'll just call her the gatekeeper. As the gatekeeper
1: Well there is no there is no Dana there is a yes, Zool. Yes,
0: so she is Zool. So she's Zool and she's trying to seduce Bill Murray.
1: But even even Vinkman has a uh, hesitation. Yes <laughs> I was like, oh so he it was interesting, just as the character is a is a massive womanizer and manipulator. But in this mm. one particular scenario, he's like, you know what? Mm nah, I'm going to put it back yes. in the pants.
0: She's possessed and she floats in the air. And there's this nice little scene where Bill Murray's just, just very calm and goes, please come down. And you could tell that Sigourney Weaver is just loving it. She's just chewing the scenery as she was supposed to. And she's just, I, I, I just had a feeling that she just loved doing that scene.
1: Especially, again, she wants to do comedy. She wanted to do you comedy. You get to. And she should be allowed to just eat as much scenery you get as to upstage
0: wants. bill murray how many people can do that in a movie not many and she did in that scene
1: and, and he, he let her him.
0: and that and the,
1: which i think was even more surprising even, and
0: that's where you got to give uh bill murray credit too he didn't yeah he didn't try to he didn't try to top her he let her steal that scene from him and it works as well it should the scene is hers we cut back to new and now rick moranis is possessed and he's running around, he's the Keymaster, and he's looking for the gatekeeper.
1: Are you the gatekeeper? Are you the gatekeeper? It's so fun. It's so fun. He's so disheveled. And
0: his hair, yeah, his hair is all poofed up, and, but he still has his glasses on, and I think that's hilarious.
1: I love that. I know. I agree wholeheartedly.
0: So he eventually gets picked up by the police and taken to the Ghostbusters. And once again, here is a simple line that's just hilarious not this police knocks on a door door opens and janine's just like picking up or dropping off this is just a regular night for her and egon comes out and he he runs his machine all over moranis is like ooh, bring him inside And she's like it's so it's so kind of you to take care of him he's like i don't think he's human winston and ray are out in the ectomobile vinkman is with dana in her apartment and, and Rick Moranis is with Egon and uh, Janine at Ghostbusters headquarters. So that's where everybody's at at this point. Vinkman calls Egon and says that Dana is possessed by Zool, the gatekeeper. He goes, does that mean anything to you? He's like, a little bit. I have the key master here. And Vinkman's like, we got to get these two together. And Egon's like, nah, that would be a horrible idea. Do not do that. I can't take credit for this, but somebody pointed this out. I saw Vinkman has shot Dana up with what was it, cortisone or something, a I tranquilizer, and somebody pointed out why would Vinkman have that with him on a date?
1: I feel like I feel like to some extent, all of them when they go out do have something of a of a minor emergency, and because they also didn't have their proton packs, um, with them either. So I I would I would buy it that. They would have some kind of quick fix on them for things like this.
0: So he's sedated Dana, who's still possessed. So she's just lying in bed. Like she's breathing really heavily and, they're, and grunting. <laughs> it's just like really off-putting how she's just breathing in bed. And he leaves her to come back home. And at this point, now Walter Peck shows up with the, with the police.
1: Because that's where the police are instead of dealing with the building. There you See? go.
0: And he has an order to shut it down. He has an EPN, you know, order from whatever, from up high, we're going to shut this place down.
1: Which, in fairness, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't know what's going to happen. I mean, in his mind, he's still doing the right thing. I don't think Walter Peck is a villain. I think he's an antagonist, but I don't think he's a villain.
0: I think he's an asshole, but I don't think he's a villain.
1: No, he's, he's not. A, I mean, and again, I might be yeah. an asshole if I worked for the EPA. I don't know. It's a stressful job.
0: He says something later that I think taints his character a little, but we'll get to that. So they're all down in the bowels where all the machinery is, where the, you know, where the ghosts are kept. And Vinkman, Peter, you know, Vinkman shows up. Peck's like, shut it down. And, and Egon's like, don't shut it down. And he's like, shut it down. And Vinkman's like, don't shut it down. And they shut it down. I, I found this funny. It's like you cut to them running out of the building. Peter Vinkman is first. It's like there's women there. He doesn't care. He's out of that building first. He's like, he's not stopping for his friends. He's not making sure everybody gets out safe. He is the first one in line to get out of that building. They all get outside. All the ghosts that were kept just burst through the top of the building. And then we get a montage of the ghosts taking over the city. Also, the explosion has woken Dana up. Now, her and uh, Rick Moranis have a mental... For some reason, they now have a mental connection. And Rick Moranis knows that she is the gatekeeper. So he wanders off to meet the gatekeeper. Dan and Ernie show up. And they all end up getting arrested. But there is a real funny scene where Egon finally loses it, where Walter Peck goes, This is all your fault and Egon goes, Your mother and he attacks him. Yeah. And it's great. And they all end up getting arrested and they're all and now they're in jail. I don't and they're in jail looking at blueprints. I don't know how they could have gotten blueprints into the jail. That's just then that's just a nitpick. But I I think when you're thrown into jail, aren't you searched first? I don't know, I've never been in jail. Thank goodness.
1: Last I checked I haven't been in jail either. Probably, I would imagine you yep. would search, but at the same time, like some to some degree, you have to have suspicion. Absolutely, I mean, yes, like this. So, yeah,
0: if that's the yeah, it's, I can believe the ghosts, but I can't believe they got blueprints into the jail.
1: I mean, they're scientists. Life uh, finds a way.
0: They basically say that the architect of the building, the building is just like a, a lightning rod for ghosts. It was built to attract ghosts into our world. So now the mayor, you know, once they establish this, the mayor wants to see them. Now they're in the mayor's office. You know, he's surrounded by his top men. And they bring the Ghostbusters in. And Walter Peck is there. And this is where Peck is sort of shady. He's like, what these guys do is they release nerve gas. People hallucinate ghosts. They show up and then pretend to catch these ghosts. And charge these people.
1: In fairness, in fairness, while that's a lie, it is also a very logical extrapolation. He, Peck's, Peck's biggest problem here is declaring that as the actual reason while well, it's still in the hypothesis stage. But I do believe that he actually believes that. I don't think he's intentionally lying here. To, and misrep- I don't think he's intentionally misrepresenting the the situation either i think that that's really what he thinks is going on i that's why i guess i don't see that as as too much of a problem other than the part where he is jumping to conclusions too quickly and he's not studying it scientifically but at the same time in the heat of the moment i can probably understand why he would be blurting that out as well i i don't think he's intentionally making it worse here
0: But that when he says that, but everybody in the mayor's office contradicts him. He goes the wall, you know, the walls of the 14th precinct were bleeding. That was no light show. I saw out there. You know, everybody is backing up the Ghostbusters at this point.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, he's trying to make sense of the situation in this in the framework of an EPA officer, which I, mean, I have to admit, again, he's not wrong. He is. He is technically. I mean, he is wrong about what's going on, but he is not wrong about all of his his dealings and wanting to shut things down um i don't know i still think that maybe his his error here is jumping to conclusions but i think that what he is saying is what he actually believes
0: a cardinal shows up from the church once again more religious imagery the cardinal and the mayor know each other and he's like i don't know what to do and he's like well, you know he the, the cardinals like i can't speak for the church but i think it's a you know i think it's an act of god
1: that's in line with that would be in line with catholicism
0: ray steps up and goes everything was going fine until dickless here shut off the grid and the mayor goes is that true and bill murray's this deadpan he goes yes it's true this man has no dick walter peck just jumps him and there's almost a fight this the the deadpan delivery of yes it's true this man has no dick
1: this man has no dick yeah that was great delivery
0: then we get all four of them. We're talking real Dan as Ray. He's like, we're talking about real end-of-time stuff here. Floods and locusts. And then Bill Murray.
1: Dogs L- and cats living together.
0: Mass hysteria! Well, you can believe, Mr. Pecker. My name is... His pick. Or you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Well, what do you mean, biblical? What uh, he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mr. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness. Earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Enough. Yes. I get the point. And I think that that was voted like the, like the 68th greatest line in movie history. And I don't know if it was, they didn't say if it was ad-libbed or in the script. I don't know which one it was, but it's a great line nevertheless. Bill convinces the mayor. He's like, why don't you let us try to help? If we don't help, we'll go to jail. But if we do help, you will save the lives of millions of registered voters. And you can see the wheels turning in the mayor's mind. And Walter Peck steps up and says, you're not going to believe this shyster, are you? And, and he's like, get him out of here. And so, so Walter Peck is basically gone for the rest of the movie. He, we see him once more, and we'll get to that. But he's sh- shuffled out of the office. The mayor's like, what do you need from us? And while all this is happening, Rick Moranis has made his way back to the building, up to Sigourney Weaver's apartment, and now they are together. So the keymaster and the gatekeeper are together. All of a sudden these stairs appear in their building and they walk hand in hand up those stairs. We cut to the Ghostbusters. They are outside the building now and everybody is out there cheering. Did you know that they had trouble getting the name? The Ghostbusters was the name of a of a, of a television show in the 70s.
1: Yeah, we talked about that in the... In right, the so paper.
0: in this scene everybody is chanting Ghostbusters, 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 Ghostbusters. Ivan Reitman said thank god we got the rights because he goes i don't know how we would have fixed this everybody chant everybody <laughs> chanting ghostbusters i don't, he goes i don't know how we would I mean, have fixed you just it.
1: get it. you just get a walla yeah. you, you just get a walla
0: t- that's <laughs> what walla is for and speaking of practice there's this great practical effect of right before they walk into the building the the street behind them this crush you know this crumbles and they all fall in that's like a fantastic practical effect I saw behind the scenes where you know it was on wheels so they could like they could do the take over and over again but a very nice practical effect one of the funniest cuts in the movie happens is like the ghostbusters are you know they're all cheering him walking into the building and then they hard cut to them walking up the stairs and they're out of breath because you know we think of our action heroes as these macho men and here are these men just out of breath walking up these flight of stairs Vinkman says when we get to you know floor 20 let me know i'm gonna throw up
1: yeah also a great image
0: they get to floor 22 that was what her her apartment was on uh, so they walked up 22 flights of stairs they walk into her apartment it's all disheveled the the walls have been blown out they find the stairs that go up to the roof i guess and they go up there and then they see dana barrett and, and lewis tully I, nice. I just heard your cat i'm sorry. I <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, of course you heard my cat yeah. because he's here.
0: They walk up and they see Louis Tully and Dana Barrett turn into dogs. And we see Gozer appear. Gozer was, I think it was a Czechoslovakian runway model, but she looks like
1: yeah, Yugoslavia. Okay, her name was uh, Slavica Jovan. Slavica and
0: Jovan. Once again, we get this great speech from from Dan. He walks up to her and just basically does move along, ma'am. He you, you know like the cops. It's Gozer. I thought Gozer was a man. It's whatever it wants to be. Well, whatever it is, it's got to get by us. Right. Go get her, Ray! Gozer the Gozerian? Good evening. As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Are you a god? No. Then... If you're a god, you say,
1: yes! And he, he dares he dares say that to gender-fluid icon Gozer the Gozerian. How dare.
0: And then Gozer goes, are you a god? And he's like, no. And then die. And she shoots them all with these rays that come out of her hands. Or go, at her, her, I don't know. It's whoever.
1: There. Just say Their there. hands. Because they're a... They're because a that's what Ernie Ernie says.
0: I thought Gozer was a man. And... Egon goes, Gozer can be whatever they want them them to be. It can t- it can assume any form.
1: I think I think they works here because they their Gozer is transcendent of gender, much like David Bowie.
0: Winston's like Ray. When any when, if anybody asks you if you're a god, you say yes.
1: Another they iconic line.
0: They shoot Gozer with their proton packs. Gozer does a couple of flips. They think that they have vanquished Gozer. But then Egon looks at one of his contraptions and is like, oh, this is very bad. And then we hear Gozer's voice saying, choose the form of the, of the destructor. And Bill Murray puts it together. Oh, whatever we think of is going to come and kill us. And he's like, everybody clear their minds. And then Gozer goes, the, the form has been chosen. And Bill Murray's like, whoa, 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 who chose it? And then we realize that Ray was thinking of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. So then we get this giant Stay Puft man walking through the city.
1: And it's amazing. It, I love, I, like I said, I, want, I am relatively certain that this scene spawned my love of kaiju movies. Because this was probably my first kaiju movie. Technically, this is a kaiju movie now.
0: Technically, yes. And Ray loses it. And Egon loses it. And and Bill Murray's like, oh, God. you know, Because it's,
1: it's something that would never, ever destroy us. You know, the, the most harmless thing I could think of. <laughs> and and I, I love, I love the line delivery. It's the Stay yes. Pupped Marshmallow Man.
0: I also love when he, the line delivery by Bill. <laughs> Mother so Puss Bucket. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, he he stepped.
1: Oh, I love this. I love everything about the Stay Puff
0: I also love the effect. They all shoot him with the proton pack. And he's like, so he's marshmallow. So he starts on fire. So it's like they're roasting a marshmallow with the proton pack. And he starts climbing up the building, a la King Kong. They all huddle together, and Egon comes up with, you know what we got to do? We got to cross the streams. I thought crossing the streams was bad. And they realize the only way they can send Gozer back is if they cross the streams. Stay Puft is climbing up the building. They all walk to the portal where Gozer has gone through and it's like he's um, like see you on the other side Ray nice working with you Bill Murray is the first one he goes see you on the other side Ray and he starts his proton pack and then Bill Murray goes nice working with you Dr. Vinkman and Bill Murray just has this great look that he gives Bill Murray it's like yes you are my friend uh, I'm going to miss you they all end up crossing the streams shooting it through the portal and the, the top of the building just explodes There's just this great... It explodes, and you just see the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man just disintegrate in front of your eyes. It's a really great effect.
1: And his face there, too. His face. Can we talk about the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man's face? I love that it's not static. I love that it changes and has expression. And he's yelling. Because it's... It's horrible when his face changes. It's... It is all the creepier because that, that, that grin just does, oh, it's, he is, he is absolutely terrifying. And I, I want to kind of give a shout out to a friend of mine, Andrew, uh, Andrew Williams. It, uh, he is a fantastic human being and a friend of mine that lives in Chicago. He is a hockey player and his, his hockey mask is the <laughs> Stay puff Marshmallow Man. I have to give him. All the love for that. It looks fantastic. And because this puffed Marshmallow Man is terrifying. He is objectively scary. Especially there. Scary.
0: By the way, that shaving cream that they used.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I think it's got a better consistently, a better consistency than actual, like, marshmallow fluff. Oh, yeah. Fluff for, for what they were And then we
0: see Walter Peck get douched with marshmallow. So that's the final time we see him. And everybody was expect. And I remember just everybody cheering in the theater. When that happened to him. He was only he was, doing uh, his
1: job and not in a Nazi way.
0: We cut back to the top and Winston's okay and Ray is okay and Egon is okay. And they're all covered from head to toe in Marshmallow.
1: Yeah, and Winston Winston has the, I yeah. love this city, which I think is very But strange. Vinkman
0: comes out and he's only got like a spot on his shoulder and on his head. I couldn't find it anywhere, but I'm pretty sure Bill Murray's like, you know what? I'm not getting, I'm not getting covered in marshmallow or in shaving cream i'm not doing it
1: in fairness in fairness in this particular scene that is funny that he has very little on him but come on man
0: have some fun they think dana and uh and lewis tully are dead but we see a hand come out of the charcoal dog and it is and dana's okay and lewis tully is okay so everybody survived. And then they're all walking down. And then we get the Henry, uh, the Ernie Hudson line. I love this town. And he slaps his hands and cut to the streets below. And everybody's cheering the Ghostbusters as they walk out. And then we get the iconic song. And we get the credits. Um, Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver finally kiss. They're a couple now. One by one, Jalene showed up. And we see a scene with, you know, she hugs Egon. We get the song... Over the closing credits, and then we see Slimer just come right towards the camera, and then we black out, and then we get the, the bus boys, I believe, for the rest of the credits. And that's it, and that's Ghostbusters. Yay. Uh, a classic movie. I forgot how fun it was. I need to watch it more often.
1: You do. That's why I've been begging you for literally years. To and do we've this
0: done business. it, and we've talked for over two hours. Uh, I don't think yeah. there's much more we can say. I mean, this movie is a great movie. It's a classic. You got, you know, if you haven't seen it, please watch it. It's just great. Any final notes that you want to say about this movie? Any final shout-outs to anything? Um, I've
1: already... I, I've i already said everything that I think I need to say. Um, Ernie Hudson deserves better. And Stay Puft Marshmallow Man rules. And Walter Peck did okay. nothing
0: wrong. All right, Meredith, what do you want to promote?
1: Um... Well, at the moment, uh, I don't have anything to legally discuss, so uh, just general self-promotion on Twitter, at sign Meredith Nudo, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H Nudo. I am a writer and a comedian and a voiceover artist. I do all three. Uh, Mainly, I write about food and local culture stuff, local being Houston and comedy being how I know... uh, whatever whatever your name is right you're scott (laughs) i forget because you're not important um okay there we go mean comment uh that's it that's all i need to promote right now the stuff that i can start promoting you will see when i'm able to excellent
0: sounds great all right i'm finally we we finally got ghostbusters under our belt we're good Uh,
1: yay now i have to bother you about something i'm sure
0: you'll find something yeah. Meredith, I want to thank you for, for doing this with me, for hanging with me for two hours.
1: Thank you for letting me, uh, thank you for letting me finally Thanks. do Ghostbusters. You know how much I, I wanted know to that. talk and, about and it.
0: And we've got it. Uh, we we finally did it. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And we'll see everybody here next time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast.
1: Yay! To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast.
0: Hey, Ray, Do you believe in God? Never met him. Yeah, well, I do. And I love Jesus' style, you know. This roof cap is made of a magnesium tungsten alloy. What are you so involved with that? These are the blueprints for the structural ironwork in Dana Barrett's apartment building, and they're very, very strange. Hey, Ray, do you remember something in the Bible about the last days when the dead would rise from the grave? I remember Revelation 7:12. And I looked as he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood, and the seas boiled, and the skies fell judgment day judgment day every ancient religion has its own myth about the end of the world myth ray has it ever occurred to you that maybe the reason we've been so busy lately it's because the dead have been rising from the grave how about a little music cool. it Has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast. Hey, where's this Peck? Hey, I am Walter Peck, sir, and I'm prepared to make a full report. These men are consummate snowball artists. They use sense and nerve gases to induce hallucinations. People think they're seeing ghosts. And they call these bozos who conveniently show up to deal with the problem with the fake electronic light show. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by dickless here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. <laughs> 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 all right, all right, all right. Well, that's what I heard.